Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, Sacred Remembering listeners. Welcome to this week's episode. How are you? How are you? Um, It seems to be getting a little bit more heated out there in the world. And so I just am sending love to each and every one of you. And I'm just here to remind all of us, as I'm reminding myself, that the best way to weather these storms is really to go within and really to uh, listen to the call of our soul, of our sacred truth. And this is a time of great, great remembering where we are being called somewhat uncomfortably to really be with ourselves and be with the truth of who we are. And so um, I am so glad that you're here. I'm hearing from many, many people that this podcast is really a light on the path at this time. And nothing makes me happier than to hear that. Um, that's, that's what it's here for. And I know that that's why these women guests share their story as well. And today's guest, Michelle Atlas is no different. Uh, such a sincere woman here to share her story. Um, and just in just invite so much wisdom uh, within everyone today. This this episode has a lot of alchemy potential. Um, So I'm going to talk about uh, an appointment that I just had with Michelle Atlas um, in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about two things that are going on in the embodied breath, sacred remembering community. And they're coming quickly. So I hope that this catches your attention uh, in a timely way. It was really apparent throughout the launch of the last mastermind, which is my high level program that women really wanted to be having sacred conversations with one another. We need community now more than ever. We're in our homes, we're balancing online education, trying to make our money, trying to uh, evolve our relationships, meanwhile, evolve ourselves. I mean, really, it's quite complex, but this is really what this time is for. It's the gift that's available. And uh, it was really clear that a lot of women were called to that sacred truth mastermind community, but because it's my high level program, uh, it was either out of reach or it wasn't quite the time yet to be spending that money. And so I really feel the call to um, provide some community calls that are more 
affordable and available and not as deep a dive in case you can't commit to a three or six month program right now. These community calls from September to December. So for the rest of 2020, these calls are going to be Thursday evenings, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And they'll go for about 75 minutes. And when I did a little bit of polling around this, we really see that women want to be talking about this mysterious relationship with the masculine. Uh, because it's where we hold a lot of our known trauma as women. And also we recognize now, I think a lot of people in this community are recognizing now that we can actually heal that relationship with the masculine without necessarily healing our relationships with men first, right? Like we can heal it within ourselves. um, And then that has an effect in our relationships with men of any kind. So there's going to be a lot of focus on that in these community calls. We're also going to be talking about voice empowerment and really coming into the nervous system in a healthy and whole way. So these are trauma-informed groups. They're Q&A groups. Um, You can do one or you can do the whole series. So you can go to sarahpoet.com backslash book and the community calls are scheduled there, um, and you can you can purchase there um, if you want to purchase them as a bulk uh, all at once. You can also see the Facebook event through the Embodied Breath page for the PayPal link. So it's really easy. This might turn into a membership group. We'll see what kind of response there is to this. And so if you have wanted to do more than listen. This is a really great, safe way to do that and come to these community calls and introduce yourself if you feel like it and um, just become a part of this community in, in another way, in a deeper step. The other thing that I've just recently added is the option to have a one hour deep dive with me calling it a breakthrough call. You know, that call where you're like, this is what I'm really stuck with right now. I just want a breakthrough call. Um, So maybe you're not ready to sign up for the three, six or 12 week coaching that I do, but now you can also go to that same webpage, sarahpoet.com backslash book and schedule a one hour breakthrough call. And then it's totally up to you whether or not you decide to further that with coaching uh, for three, six or, or 12 weeks or not. Okay, so no pressure. This is about us getting what we need right now and getting the support that we need right now. And I'm totally committed to that. Uh, and I totally believe in the absolute power of what happens when women come together in sacred intention, uh, sacred conversation, and showing up as themselves. So those are some updates that I wanted to give you. Now, on to today's guest, Michelle Atlas. So, okay, I know that some listeners can, can relate to this. I had a lot of money wounding that was related to men and my father. Okay, so money and and men to me as like a sticky place, even still, 
you know, even still, I have to like check that subconscious and what it's doing for sure, for sure. And so I love learning about money from women. And I really love learning about money from women who have have systems, who have done their work around money. And Michelle Atlas is one of those women. And she for sure embodies like a nervous system regulation. You'll hear in the interview today how Michelle actually worked in the field of trauma resiliency very deeply, in fact. And so just to be in Michelle's presence, as you'll hear in her voice today in this interview, just to be in her presence is actually just so sweet. So um, Michelle has a free archetype quiz, a money archetype quiz. And what I did was I took the quiz. It's on her website, which is in the show notes, but I'll also mention here in a second when I find the, the notes here. Um, it's at michelleatlas.com. Okay. And you can take the money archetype quiz. You'll find it there. And so I got my money archetype results and then I had a follow-up call with Michelle, um, which was kind of a breakthrough call as well. And so we talked about what my top three money archetypes were. And, um, and then we talked about the shadow, uh, archetype, the one that I need to do a little bit of work around. Okay. So it was really enlightening. I won't go into that for the sake of time, but it was very empowering and it gave me explicit next steps. So check out michelleatlas.com. And please know too that Michelle has a really affordable program coming up. It's called Activate Your Money Flow. Who doesn't love that? Um, And it starts September 7th of 2020. And so contact Michelle via her website and um, the, the link to the direct Activate Your Money program will also be in the show notes at sarahpoet.com today. So this is all there for you. I, I really encourage you to come into relationship as a woman with your money, regardless of where your money is at right now. Like if you have $30 in your bank account, if you have $3,000 in your bank account, if you have more than that in your bank account, you're probably already looking at your bank account. I don't know. But uh, maybe that was total assumption. But, you know, sometimes we avoid looking at the numbers, especially as women and, and in the feminine, because it just, we just get a little, like, I don't know what to do. We get, we get overwhelmed with that. And we really need to like bring in that inner masculine and that, that need for structure. Like money really, really loves systems and structure and when we pair it with the feminine um, creativity and the feminine flow, but we also have the structure, we actually start to generate more money. Okay, so uh, Michelle and I are just on the same page about so much of this stuff, and I really respect her as a teacher. So I encourage you to go to michelleatlas.com and check that out. And um, we're going to get to Michelle's deeper bio and the interview. And again, I just want to thank you for being here. I want to tell you that your truth and your life matters. All of the things that you have going on right now, uh, all the things that you're working out, 
all of the empowerment that you are on your way to owning and standing in that sacred truth. It matters now more than ever. So thank you for taking your time to be here on the podcast. Um, I got an email this morning that this podcast is starting to track on Apple and on the list of, um, I don't know, spiritual awakening or, or self improvement. I actually don't even know what list it was. Um, but it was just sort of a thing that I saw really quickly before I went into a call this morning. And then here I am doing this sounding a little bit uh, like gibberish, but I do want to say that I'm really, really grateful that the podcast is starting to track. And if you listen to this podcast and like this podcast, please share it with others. And also apparently (laughs) given the email in my inbox this morning, it really does matter that you subscribe and rate the podcast as well. So sacred remembering for me is not going away anytime soon. This is a movement of modern women waking up to the truth of who we are at this really, really just such an important and critical time in doing so. And so when you take those actions, I know it takes a little bit more time to like and subscribe and directly share with a friend, but it really matters. So thank you for doing that. Um, Don't forget to check out the community calls. And here's the interview. Michelle Atlas inspires creative women entrepreneurs to reclaim their self-trust and intuition so that they can create sustainable income, profound impact, and deep fulfillment aligned with their soul's calling during times of wild change. She is the author of the Daily Ohm course called The Spending Habit Secret and co-author of the book The Superwoman Entrepreneur, How to Turn Your Breakdowns into Breakthroughs and Live a Life of Playfulness, Peace, and Prosperity. Michelle is a Newfield certified coach, a certified resiliency facilitator, a sacred money archetypes certified coach, and a sacred ceremony officiant. With a lifetime commitment to personal growth and spiritual practice, she brings a rare depth and presence. She will help you to create change that you did not think was possible in your relationship to money, your business, and yourself. Michelle coaches and speaks internationally on the psychology of money and living resiliently. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. So happy to be here. It's so good to meet you. When I read your answers to the questions that I ask podcast participants, I was so excited because it it was like kindred spirit. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad to know that. That's wonderful. (laughs) Yes. So we are going to talk about breaking down to break through. We're going to talk about resilience. Uh, We're going to talk about money and value in women. I'm very, very excited because um, many women listening to this want to create something, are creating something, maybe entrepreneurs, but but every woman can take something from this conversation. I absolutely know that. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So um, there's so much one could say, right? So mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> wide open. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm a a transformational business and life coach. Um, 
and um, I work primarily with women entrepreneurs um, and a few men. And um, I really, uh, I, I, you know, really the heart and soul of what I do is I help them free themselves from everything that they are not and return to a place of deep self-trust and really anchoring into their intuition so that they can create change that they didn't think possible uh, in their relationship to money, to their businesses, in their relationships, and then primarily, of course, to themselves. And um, the, you know, the, so a lot of women come into my world. I have, I have several areas of, of, you know, specific expertise and, um, helping women empower their emotional relationship to money and really understand what's driving their emotional relationship to money so that in addition to any practical and tangible strategies that they try to implement or that they learn you know, from a financial planner or somebody who's more strategic, they, um, they are also attending to that unseen domain that has such a profound influence on our money results, which is, you know, our belief system, the messaging we received when we were younger and our, our feelings about our self-worth. Um, so I have some really powerful tools. Um, the quiz that you're in the process of taking that flushes out a person's money personality and their archetypes that helps, helps women just quickly uh, with a very insight based approach, you know, get behind what's really going on. And I had, I've had some very powerful breakthroughs myself with that system, which is why I got licensed in it after I had a million other credentials and, and certifications. And, uh, and then my other area is, of you know, expertise that, that I, I have a, a big focus area is resilience. And that's really the whole um, journey of, you know, how do we not just survive hardship, not just survive our tough times, but how do we actually really grow and evolve through them and become something that we wouldn't have become had a particular hardship or challenge not occurred in our lives. I'm so excited to dive into all of these. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. So, okay. I kind of want to start with money um, because what you were just saying was so rich and I didn't expect to start there in my, in my list of questions, but um, what you were just saying really resonated. And yes, at michelleatlas.com, there's a money archetype personality quiz. And I was like just discovering this quiz before Michelle and I um, logged on here. And I can't wait to go back and finish because I would say what's already sparking, I don't have my quiz results yet, but what's already sparking was there were questions that definitely showed me evidence of transformation in my relationship with money. I was like, oh, I used to do that, but now it's like this. And then there were also questions that surprised me because I was like, oh, damn, I wish I was through that. But that's actually still true, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So one of the, well, tell us about money archetypes, first of all. Sure, sure. Um, so this is a system that I'm licensed in and that I've become really masterful in working with, but I did not author this. So, you know, I'm, I'm licensed in, in uh, the person who did is Kendall Summerhawk. And um, so, you know, archetypes are um, patterns of, we could call them patterns of power. They're patterns of characteristics for those who are, you know, maybe familiar with the term, but don't know exactly what an archetype is. It's really a pattern of characteristics that tends to show up together you know, and so um, in this particular system, there are eight money archetypes, 
And so that means there are eight different sort of patterns or sets of characteristics. And even though, you know, you're going to score, you know, um, you know, you might score the same, let's say, you know, if Sarah, you and I scored similarly, the, the archetype, the, those particular patterns would still express uniquely through each of us. So even though we may have some similar propensities, you know, some similar strengths and gifts with money and some similar blind spots, they would likely express a little bit differently because we're unique individuals. But um, the reason that archetypal patterns are so helpful in empowering your relationship to money is because, so my, this is my perspective, <laughs> um, is, is that it's been very powerful, again, for me and for my clients, um, is that... So much of, well, first of all, with the profile, my experience is that with the profile of the intuitive, creative, kind of um, deeper, more sensitive woman comes a little bit of an extra bundle of self-doubt as well. For some reason, there seems to be a little bit more um, questioning of one's worth, um, a little bit more um, of what I call sort of a crisis of worthiness, kind of an undercurrent running running beneath the sort of psychic system and it tends to subtly and not so subtly play out particularly, particularly with money. So um, what happens for this kind of woman that I am, that you probably are and that many of our clients are is that we, um, we read from, there's lots of great books out there with wonderful uh, practical tips and strategies by great money gurus and money experts. But a lot of them, are teaching sort of a one-size-fits-all approach to, you know, transforming your relationship with money. And my experience is that it just doesn't, it, it's not sustainable for, for many people to all be trying to fit themselves into one model. And so for me, I tried, for myself, I tried when I became an entrepreneur, I bumped into my own money blind spots. I tried many different approaches and they, they really didn't suit my personality. I didn't recognize that initially, but, you know, I, it's like a yo-yo diet where, you know, you're doing great for a little while and then you fall off the wagon and you can feel mm-hmm. worse than you did before you even started. You can feel even more like a failure. So it kind of starts to whittle mm-hmm. away your confidence that you can make changes. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I loved about the archetypal work is that you're learning that you have a unique money personality, which means you've got very specific gifts and strengths when it comes to the portals that money is likely to come most easily through for you. And you've also got specific blind spots that are very specific to probably where you um, received some messaging or some modeling that you either resisted or emulated that um, you know, to some degree is, um, is warped right now, and, and that this is a much more complex subject, but got warped or distorted along the way needs to be reintegrated, you know, needs a spotlight shined on it. So it can reintegrate into your personality. And again, kind of, you know, adds add fuel and energy to your efforts to generate money rather than pull energy from them. So um, by understanding your archetype, you're understanding your unique personality, as I said, and there's an incredible, I know for myself and from, from my clients, there's usually an incredible feeling of, you know, yes, of like well-being, of kind of coming home to the fact that number one, there's nothing wrong with you if you've had struggles with money, that you were probably trying to be someone else. You were probably trying to be someone that you're not, either somebody that you love that's in your world that, that, you know, has a very naturally empowered relationship with money, but isn't you, 
or somebody that isn't anything like you that you think you should be like, you know? Mm. And so um, it's like a homecoming when you learn your strengths and your blind spots. And the moment you do, you can make choices then to play to your strengths, again, which expand your potential for earning and for growing your business and your life. Because how we do money is how we do so many things. So when you change your relationship to money, you're changing your relationship to your value, to your worth, to how you show up in love. There's a, there's a, a very profound correlation, I found, between love and money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when you illuminate your blind spots, you're no longer in this, your specific blind spots, you know, not somebody else's, but yours, because you know your archetype. You um, are then in a position to not continue to feel like a victim of circumstance, like where you you feel like this victim of something that's holding you back that you can't see, where you keep getting the same results, trying different things, but something's in the way and you can't put your finger on it. This will illuminate what that is. So I know that was a a long detailed answer. I hope that was clear. No, that's really wonderful. And I really hope that many listeners go over and take that quiz and and get this um, information that is so empowering. And I love, I love so much of what you said and what you said about, you use the word homecoming. And I really want to lift that up and lift that sort of into the um, consciousness of possibility for many women listening who do struggle with money, that there is a place where you come into right relationship and homecoming with money. And, um, yes. you know, and like, what, what, what a blessing every time we we get a snippet of that or like a true, true homecoming. And so thank you for speaking to that and for doing that work. I also just really want, because so much of this podcast and so much of what I do is about truth telling and just, you know, taking the, I don't know, the, the facade and just kind of saying, nah, let's be real about it. But you know, women and entrepreneurship. So I was under some pretty funny um, assumptions maybe when, when I became an entrepreneur because, you know, I had been relatively successful through my resume and as a school administrator and didn't really know a lot about business and what it would take to run a business. Definitely still learning. My LLC just turned three, even though I did not go full time that early. Um, But, you know, I kind of assumed like, oh, people like to hear my stories. I have a pretty good following. Like, I I just thought that the money would come really easily. And then, you know, it was like, it was, it was a little bit of a, I don't know if I was fooling myself or there are plenty in the industry that's like, yeah, just do the thing, just leap. And um, I really love being realistic with women entrepreneurs who are really thinking of making a pivot. Like it's not just magic. It is not, you know, easy, lucrative magic. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And thankfully the universe was like, here, Sarah, I'm going to help you out. But like, it took refinancing my house. It took eventually selling my house, um, which was a choice also on a soul level. But, you know, like 
it, it requires money to make this kind of pivot. So do you find that a lot of women entrepreneurs have that like, oh shit, I thought it was going to be different? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I did too. Uh, initially, you know, absolutely. And uh, I, t- I was very much in that in that mindset initially to very naive and uh, myself. Naive, that's the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think what, again, well, particularly, I'd say particularly women who are committed to transfer to various modalities, you know, service modalities that involve transformation or, you know, um, the creative arts or, um, all of those domains that um, are really kind of, um, you know, where the feminine, the true feminine kind of expands and dances, mm-hmm. you know, into the, and so we tend, like myself, where I came out of, you know, I, I'd been coaching, working with people a lot of my life, even in my conventional jobs. And then I went back and got a whole bunch of additional training. And I came out feeling like, you know, I'm much like you, Sarah, I'm sure like this is, this is my soul. This is my calling. I, it's second nature to me. It's what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I felt pretty masterful and like, I just couldn't wait to really, you know, be fully myself in this domain. Right. And I, I thought that, and I, right. And I naively thought that that, the, that alone would give me a business. Yes. <laughs> and, right. It's like, okay, ready. And, um, and I, I really, and that's when I kind of realized, wow, yeah, you can be a very masterful coach and you can be just, you know, brilliant in your skill set and not have a business <laughs> and, yeah. you know, or not be a business person. And I, I went through a big, you know, I think a lot of women, um, again, that have not always been, you know, kind of uh, maybe more type A, maybe, you know, more sort of um, comfortable and more of a masculine business model do come to this awakening where, um you really have to look at where you are not identified, where you've had negative concepts, perhaps about being a business person, about being a successful business person, and really work, you know, do some identity work there. This is, I've had mm-hmm. myself, and I find myself doing that with a lot of my clients, where it's this thing where if you don't treat your business like a business, you probably won't have a business. You won't have a business. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I want to mention, you mentioned the feminine, right? And I think that there is... Um, in, you know, we're talking about sacred remembering. There's this remembering like, oh my gosh, I, there is this thing called the feminine archetype and that's in me. And I, you know, hadn't realized that until now. And so that's so much of the antithesis for walking back to the truth of who you are. And then on that walk, I talk about this a lot. You have to also embrace that sacred masculine within you. So I think when there's that reclamation, we often yeah. kind of want to abandon the masculine, but right. the masculine within us at, as women, that's our structure. That's our financial you know, budget, however that looks for you and your archetype. Those, those structures, that masculine essence really is needed and we need to not abandon that as women. Um, And that's, that was a part of my walk as well. So when I left education, I was a very strong educator leader. I could, I could see the big picture. I could address the emotional, the mindset, the resiliency. I did a lot of that work and uh, I was ready to coach people. And, um, (laughs) I was reclaiming 
these, the right to be me, like you were saying, like, I, I just wanted to be me. And I thought, Oh, I'll make a business out of that. And, um, I realized when I wasn't making money and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's, there's no like rhyme or reason to why people are coming or not coming. Um, I realized I looked back and I thought, you know what it is? It's the structure. It's the masculine because in the school system, you know, I had, deadlines. I had, we had schedules, you know, we had like ways that the organization operated. And so I needed to implement all of those things in my business, um, you know, to hold it up. It's like the masculine structure holds it up and then the feminine can be the intuitive and the creative, um, and, and really serve in that way that we want to bring forward. Yeah. one thing that I would really love to ask you about is emotions and money. Yeah. Um, because, and I don't, I don't know if I'm correct in feeling the way I feel about this. Uh, you're welcome to comment on it, but I have seen that because I had the emotional relationship that I did have with money, which, you know, had a lot to do with, father and control and manipulation and those kinds of, it had associations, money had associations that were emotional. And so when I became a business owner, I realized not that I could stop it right away, but, or, or even still completely, I realized that my relationship with money was very emotional and that this was detracting from my ability to earn or keep money. And so one of the things that I've kind of been doing even recently is like a declaration that money's money, like money is not an emotional thing. Money is energy. Uh, And so I've been like clearing the emotions from the money. What's your, what are your thoughts on that topic. And, and there's plenty I don't know about that, but I think, I think you're going to have some wisdom here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, No, that's, thank you. That's a fantastic question. And it's, it's really kind of the heart of the matter, actually, when it comes to money empowerment, especially for women. Um, So a couple of thoughts for starters, you know, what I love to help people understand is that Money is actually neutral, and if you know, we we are the ones who superimpose the emotions, the stories, the narratives onto money. But if we just kind of you know, for a moment, think about money as being completely neutral, like a blank canvas, you know, and you're the painter, it's like it really can kind of shift things right off the bat, where it sort of helps you objectify and sort of claim and step back with your stories and your narratives. And, you know, to sort of take them off money for a moment and realize that, you know, money's innocent. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, kind of um, what we're bringing that gives it its charge. So uh, what I have found is that um, what I always say is that, money, that our emotional relationship to money, that healing that and, and really, again, you know, illuminating that so that we can um, stop living as hostage to narratives and stories that were never our own, but that we have, you know, swallowed holes somewhere along the way, that money, that that emotional relationship to money is 
and and empowering it is one wing to the bird, and then the other wing is the the masculine, like you said, the practical, tangible strategies. And we really need both to be to create sustainable income and sustainable change in our relationship to money. And um, yeah, and so the most insidious emotion that I in common that I see particularly among women sabotaging like crazy from behind the scenes is shame. And shame tends to take many different forms. It sort of wears different outfits, you know, in different people's personalities. And, um, and so, um, you know, for more, again, the more sensitive, creative, intuitive type, sometimes there's shame around being successful. Sometimes there's shame about around not being successful, Mm. you know, Sometimes, right, there's shame about having a lot of money or you know, not enough money and, and, or, you know, asking for money or talking about money. Or, and, and so um, all of these things fall under that emotional umbrella. But, but what I can tell you for sure is that, you know, um, our, our connection to money is a relationship like any other relationship. And so when we think about it that way, it's like, like any other emotional relationship where, you know, if you told a child or your partner, your significant other, that they didn't matter or they shouldn't matter, for example, a lot of spiritual folks go that way. Like, you know, money shouldn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Well, mm. if you someone else that you love that they didn't matter, would they be magnetized to you? Would mm. they say, you know, I want, really want to be close to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'd probably go running from the building screaming, you know? And um, so that's what the same with money, you know? And so it's like, one of the ways to begin to open the door to that emotional domain that we maybe think we understand a little bit, but, but know that there is all sorts of charge and, and dancing going on back there that we don't know is to um, begin by asking ourselves, you know, two questions are what I kind of really always put out there. One is, where are you triggered by money? You know, where do you have an emotional reaction to yours or somebody else's relationship, somebody else's spending habits, for example, where you find yourself really judgmental or, you know, really tweaked by somebody else or your own, where do you find yourself, you know, um, especially excited or, you know, kind of hype, sort of hyped up or where do you find yourself ashamed or berating yourself, those kinds of things that's where there's going to be some emotional, some shadows lurking that are probably loaded with emotion. Um, And the other thing is really asking yourself how you would characterize your relationship to money. You know, is it respectful and loving? Is it, um, is it avoidant? Um, You know, is it anxious? Is it, you know, what is it? And, you know, again, do you think it shouldn't matter? Or do you think it does? Do you constantly tell money it doesn't matter? And so, there's a lot, it's a massive, massive domain to really explore. And it, 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 it's, it's the area I have found that changes everything. You can you know, have the best financial planner in the universe, financial advisor in the universe. And if you're, you know, loaded with a lot of invisible emotional, um, you know, you're carrying a lot of weight there, it's going to be very difficult for you to have an empowered relationship to money. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like, looking at the emotional, I love, I really love that you're talking about it in terms of a relationship and even um, 
asking about the attachment style, like how your how your attachment mm-hmm. style to money uh, might be operating. That was really rich for for women to look at, but you know, in balancing that feminine masculine or in balancing the emotions and the shadow so that we can rise, you know, it's, it's like anything else. We need to look at it, you know, without letting that shame or, or the emotion continue to drive our actions. Maybe we're just trying to avoid money. Maybe we're super anxious about money. So we need to look at that turn, look at that, be with that, heal that like any, anything else we would work with in the shadow realms in our lives and then transmute it into, in, into empowerment. Right. And, and it will, once you, you know, once you see, you know, because so much of what drives us with money initially is is invisible often. Mm-hmm. And so, well, you can't change what you can't see. And so once you see it, um, then, you know, even, even the, just the seeing begins to change things pretty quickly mm-hmm. because the moment you see, like I've had clients that said, oh, wow, you know, the moment they saw what was really going on, the very next time, you know, they went shopping or something, things look different, you know, Mm -hmm. or, and I've had those experiences. I've had some very profound experiences like that myself in in the areas I felt stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And being willing to see, you know, being willing to see because I, yeah, a lot of, a lot of um, women and entrepreneurs and like the magical thinking, you know, we just like expect the money to like come or we're, we're just like, Oh, I'm not going to look in the bank account because I hope it's there. But, you know, really, I love, I love this conversation for all of the realms that it's covering, like be willing to see it, be willing to look at it. And I can just hear in your voice, um, a genuine, care that I think, you know, a lot of new entrepreneurs, maybe I'm just projecting here, but, um, you know, when we are coming out of the gate and we might be trying to make it look like we're doing okay, or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, please God send the clients. And, um, you know, there's a lot of inauthenticity that comes with that, that like, when we do this work and look at the shadow and at the shadow of money and the shadow of business, um, you know, then we can begin to come like into a more authentic place in the very area that, that we sought to come into in the, in the first place, which yeah. kind of leads to the work that you do with women entrepreneurs, like this diamonds in the darkness, this like going down and, and looking at, at what's dark in order to become the best entrepreneur, the best woman. You want to talk to, talk to us about that. Um, sure. Sure. In any, in any direction you want to take it. Sure. Um, it's my favorite topic in the whole world. It's Yay! My heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I know. We before we hit record, we were like, "Okay, there's been rock bottoms." Like, <laughs> we get each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's own the rock bottoms so that other women are just like, "Oh, yeah, we're not alone." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, because you know, it's um, yeah, and diamonds in the darkness is my free Facebook group. So just people to know so Great. Any, anybody's welcome there it's it's 
free and full of women just like us. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, and I, you know, I created that, you know, because I, and, and also just, you know, it's been such a theme in my life um, where, you know, for me, the most, um, really the, the greatest richness and depth and meaning in my own life and just in my whole perspective on living and existence is, um, has really come through those moments and experiences where um, something, well, you know, in resilience psychology, there is a concept, uh, it's actually, I think, a scientific concept called, and it, it may mean something different in the scientific realm, but it is a, it is a, an actual, you know, uh, psychological neuroscience type concept um, called bifurcation. And what that means is, um, in this case, is that when the impact of an event or a circumstance exceeds the capacity of the of the uh, the resources of the person, you know, or thing that it's impacting, um, there'll be a descent, and you'll go down. <laughs> and um, and so, and for the resilient person, that kind of descent can be the best thing that ever happened because it offers an unprecedented opportunity to um, have all the protectors and defenses and, um, you know, survival constructs really be forced, be, be, un, be mercilessly stripped away um, because, again, the impact of whatever happened is greater than the resources, than, than the defenses, than the ability to defend against it. And so... Um, in that in that experience in that in that that what usually is um, you know initially has some significant suffering in it there's a real diamond at the bottom of that darkness the bottom of that mine there's a real incredible blessing and um, so you know when when something so so difficult painful or intense happens and and our defenses and, and protectors are taken away. Um, and for the resilient person, again, that's an opportunity to first usually descend, but ultimately evolve into something greater, something truer, something, you know, more authentic and more vibrant and alive than one would ever be capable of had the adversity not hit, hit in the first place for the non, non, not so resilient person this can be a situation where um, that descent leads to not, re- you know, not, not, um, not really ever really kind of ascending again. So that could be, you know, lead to a, a lasting depression or, um, you know, another, you know, serious mental health issue or even physical illness, those kinds of things. But really that would be the person who becomes, embittered or, um, oh, you know, resentful, um, the kinds of emotions that we all pass through that are, you know, completely normal on the full spectrum of human emotion, but the non-resilient person would become embedded there, would be, would crystallize in those places. They wouldn't just pass through and they would stay there and, and that would become a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's the distinction. Um, and, you know, for me, those, um, most difficult times have com- totally made me who I am and given me, not just made me who I am, but really given me opportunities that not, nothing else and no one else in life mm. could have possibly given me. Mm. To come home inside, yeah. 
I would love if you would be willing to to share a story of example, mm-hmm. maybe like the the most significant. Um, you know, here we are in 2020, and just by the nature of what's going on in the world, but also sort of cosmically, however people look at it, um, there's going to be a lot of challenge around resiliency right now. What we can and cannot handle, we're sort of going through that collectively. And so I know that um, stories of what's possible on the other side would be really helpful right now, you know, to many, to many people. Um, yeah, if you don't mind sharing. No, no, I don't at all. Um, it's such a, it's such an invitation because, you know, one doesn't really get the chance to share at this level. I I think that much, you know, Mm -hmm. other than with my personal, my deepest, closest personal friends, I, Mm -hmm. you know, there aren't a lot of people doing work at the level that you are, Sarah, that's where it really is an invitation to share at this level. So it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for me, I mean, my most difficult experience, and I'll try to do this concisely. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're big. They're big when they happen. Yeah. <laughs> Lots right. of details. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like just hitting the high points. You know? yeah. um, so for me, I mean, and maybe there are people that can relate to this. I had a huge mother mother wound. Um, you know, that's sort of a, a phrase now that a lot of people understand. And, you know, really just had a really difficult, very um, wounding relationship with my mother. And so um, growing up, I didn't really know it for a long time, but ultimately did understand that I was, I was looking for a good mother my whole life. You know, I was just yeah. sort of looking for that mother that I didn't have. So um, fast forward, you know, well into, well into adulthood. And um, as a result of that relationship and some other family things, the domain of, of love relationships had always been, had a real challenging edge for me and did not come easily, had a lot of difficult um, experiences where my work and my professional universe always came with great ease and kind of just really flowed for me. I noticed a a distinct difference in the way that I knew myself in the professional domain, as opposed to the way that I struggled to to know myself in that um, intimate relationship area um, with men. My close friendships had always gone really well too. Thank God that was just an incredible blessing too. But, but with men, it was, it was always uh, pain really and all kinds of challenge. So um, I met somebody and, uh, really what happened in, in a nutshell was I met someone who felt deeply, deeply safe to me and really kind of embodied a lot of those characteristics. I didn't realize it at first, but in the, in the mother that I was looking for mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. And so, um, really, you know, fell in love was very mutual, very reciprocal. And um, that person really, you know, was choosing to kind of show up for me at a level that was meeting some very profound and deep needs for several years. And, um, and so that part of me that was had been hungering my whole life, finally was being fed very deeply. And she really relaxed and really opened at a level that she never had before. She finally found was finding this, you know, safety of 
sort of a combination of a little girl, I think, and, you know, a teenager and an adult all kind of wrapped mm-hmm. into one. And because when you have these wounds, you know, one way or another, it's sort of, we have to retrieve these parts. Like they don't just, we don't just, even if we grow up amazingly in one area, if there's still a wounded little girl somewhere, we have to, we have to go back and get her. Yeah. And um, it's right in, in one way or another, there are many ways it can happen. This was one way. And so um, she was really, you know, happy as anything in that situation mm-hmm. and getting a lot of needs met. And, uh, and, and again, really relaxing and really, really bonded at a very profound level that she, I had not really emotionally bonded with my mother. It was amazing. I did with my father, but not with my mother. And, um, and so what happened was after several years of, of being together, um, very suddenly, this person had a, um, a mental health diagnosis that I, he was a very, very accomplished person in the world, but he had a mental health diagnosis that was very well treated. And so kind of, I was able to sort of experience like it wasn't really there, but mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so, so, um, so long story short, um, you know, quite a few years into our relationship, very suddenly, very shockingly, and very unexpectedly, um, he left. I mean, like in a day, like one day with absolutely no conversation, you know, no nothing. It was just a very, very kind of crazy, bizarre, wild thing. Um, and, you know, I, I won't go into the specifics of that because I don't know that it's, it might be a little bit of a digression, but um so he ran off with somebody else um, who's in, in an open marriage. <laughs> that was what he was interested in. And, um, but, and so the way it happened was so shocking. And um, the combination of the fact that I was invested at this profound level that I'd never invested with anybody before and the fact that he did this in the most shocking, painful, really like super duper kind of every woman's worst nightmare kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, what it did was it catapulted me into a, this was a case like I just described where the impact exceeded the resource. I had a lot of resources. I've been working on mm-hmm. transformation since I was like 13 years old. And I, I'm very resilient and really, you know, had, had had every opportunity in the world for many reasons to develop a very powerful resilient resiliency muscle, but this just walloped me like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, you know, it's that feeling of like, you can't hold on to what you've been holding on. It's just yes. like, it's just so painful yes. right? and so intense that it is just taken. And so um, I was just thrust down and, uh, and it was, and so for a period of, I have to be honest and say that right from the get go, I, you know, maybe, you know, I, I've, I've been steeped in spiritual practice a lot of my life too. I lived in an ashram for 12 years and just, mm-hmm. you know, been meditating for 40 years. So I had a lot mm-hmm. of resources, but, mm-hmm. and I, and, a, you know, and, a, you know, a fair amount of wisdom. So I, I kind of, sensed like very early on 
my, you know, the people in my world, my dear friends were like mortified and, and I could have played victim. You know, the way it happened was a perfect setup for everyone was infuriated with him. And I could have played victim of the universe here and, and, and no one would have stopped me. You know, everyone would have said, absolutely. That's the truth. But I knew at a very, very deep level, right from the get go, that there was some like massive medicine in this for me. Like this was just medicine like nothing else. And that really this was like, I was not a victim at all. And that this was like the greatest gift of, of my life really. Mm. And, um, and so even though I was like writhing in pain and I, and what happened was it, it, um, it activated like a tsunami of grief. Like mm-hmm. I, the grief of my entire life, like from, you know, I had been adopted as a newborn baby and taken abruptly from my biological mother. And there were stories and I, I, you know, I never felt any of this stuff. And um, because when you're a baby, you know, it just goes into your cells and, you know, Mm -hmm. right. And so, yeah. So um, I just like had like, you know, I didn't even know what was coming out of me, but it was coming out of every poor in, in just like, again, tidal waves, like every day for like, really, you know, a year. I mean, it was, this was not a small thing. Right. It went on for you know, months and months and months where I was, you know, having this catharsis and I got on board with it, you know, pretty quickly and kind of, I felt this, um, this profound pull like in and down and I, it was so intense. I mean, it was like a magnetic force pulling me not just in, but in and down and like where, I, there were, I really wanted to be alone a lot. You know, we, we all cope differently. You know, some people would want to be around people all the time in a situation. Like I wanted to be alone a lot. For me, the greatest solace was just, you know, like sitting in a particular chair in my house at that time with my tea. And just, I had a, for me, it was about mm. slowing down, like mm. slowing it way down. I had to slow everything down. And um, I did, I worked, I did what I had, whatever came to me. I could, didn't, wasn't in a place to generate a lot at that time. And um, so long story short, um, I had all kinds of amazing, ma- in addition to, you know, just like harrowing, you know, I had, it activated memories um it pulled me so deep and so down so so deeply downward in myself that I started to have these I had visions of what happened at my birth that I'd never you know that I could never have remembered before I, I started to see things you know I had all kinds of like harrowing moments of mm-hmm. where I think as an infant I was terrified you know but I who knew and so like this kind of thing I also had some phenomenal um visions I had you know I I was you know sitting in my living room and saw an an eagle flying over me once you know multiple (laughs) times you know and that's a very powerful medicine animal and um I saw hummingbirds and I saw eagles and I you know I was having visions and I was having these memories and I was you know so it was like the best and the worst it was the richest oh my god right like true magic yeah true magic true magic that you not, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that, you know, I, I said to my friends a hundred times during that period, I could never, I mean, I needed this more than anything yeah. in the world. And yeah. I could never have brought this on intentional. Who in their right mind could bring that on intentionally? Right. You know, like, but the soul knows, like the soul yeah. knows that you yeah. need it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 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 And, you know, eventually, and then it's like you, you, the question is, okay, like, 
when does it kind of start to shift? How do I, how and when do I begin to emerge again? Because you don't want to rush it and you also don't want to, you know, you, it's so intense. You can kind of, you, you know, you start to feel like, am I drowning? You know, what's happening? And, and so there's a very fine line, I think. And like, I help people, I'm sort of the, you know, the midwife for a lot of, for others with this kind of thing now too. And, you know, there's a fine line between when you begin to, you know, evolve into the emergence again, where you, you know, when do things just sort of start to normalize into a new coherence again? Mm-hmm. And that's unique for each person. But, mm-hmm. you know, for myself, um, I remember, you know, this, uh, this was like eight years, eight or nine years ago at this point. And um, that was when I entered my really long-term deep dive one of my coaching certifications that was especially transformational. Mm. And that was kind of my bridge, um, you know, where I said, okay, I'm going to rejoin the land of the living here. And, but, you know, I was in this sort of transformational container where I could keep crying you know, and keep having my experiences and people actually understood. And they, they, they would say things like, this is going to make you an even better coach instead of saying, Oh my God, you're crazy. We can't certify you. you know? right. right. So, um, and then that just, you know, over time, you know, it just took time. It really took time. I mean, I'd say that the whole journey for me um, took a period of years, but, um, but I will never need to look for my mother in a man again. Yeah, right? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and I'm only laughing because I've been there, like, so, so many similarities in our stories. And so I'm, I'm like, yep. Exactly. Like once you do that, it's truly clear. Mm-hmm. Once you truly, truly dissent. And um, yes, like I, I love how there's, you articulate so well that there was a part of you that knew that you had to do it, that you yes. had to go down, that you had to be there. And um, yeah, I mean, we were saying before the call, I really relate to that, you know, being in that rock bottom, seeing yourself and you're like, shit, I wish I wasn't here. And at the same time, I'm going to, I'm going to mind this. <laughs> like, so I never have to do this again. You know, it's like whatever needs to happen. And yeah, like being down there and, and truly thinking, I, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it until it's done. Um, and I do want to iterate also that what you shared about like resources showing up or the the magic showing up or the, the animal medicine, I had, I had a Lakota elder call me and say, sister, you don't know who I am, but you're showing up in my dreams asking for help. Uh, you can turn me away or, you know, you can say yes. And I was like, well, shit, yes. Like I do need help. And so it was miracle after miracle like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like, okay, God's got me something. And I wasn't using the word God then, but I was like the sacred something has me because I am in the fucking dark and you know, a Lakota elder is calling me. And so, so you're like, okay, there's, there, this is all part of, of the great mystery. It's all part of the design. I have to do it. I have to mind. And like you said too, I'm sorry to 
I, I just want no, to share no. for women, like this, you know, this is, this is possible. This is like how we get some of the richest parts of ourselves. And I love that you use the diamond because the diamond heart, you know, like the diamond consciousness of the heart um, was something that I truly found as well. Um, Actually, I just, I distracted myself a little bit with that excitement about the diamond. Um, So anyway, we'll, we'll just, we'll move on, but it's like, yes, (laughs) go say, say yes to the going down. But how do you, how do women find you? Do they find you while they're in it? Do they find you afterward? Um, you know, are you known for this work or what attracts women to talk about this? Like for example, in that Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, so, well, in the Facebook group, the Facebook group is all, it's all women entrepreneurs um, who mm-hmm. are, um, and in the group, mostly they're now, we're, we're kind of working with like this particular period of time, this pandemic time and this sort of, you know, amazing opening and opportunity that it's providing to go deeper, you know, within ourselves and mm-hmm. kind of the journey that this is catalyzing and sort of, you know, how are we going to become more ourselves through this? Um, and, but, but all, all stories and all versions of this, um, Phoenix journey are welcome for sure. Anywhere around me, they're always welcome. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so in terms of um, how people find me, so um, people find me through um, uh, well, both I'd say, you know, they come in the door, well, my, either through referrals from clients or through speaking opportunities like this basically is how mm-hmm. my business tends to 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 continue to blossom and um but people my women come to me um either exactly either um really resonating with this i'll just call it the phoenix journey because there there are many other archetypes we could use but that you know then we kind of know what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. um this resilience this profound resilience the rising Mm -hmm. right um and so, you know, either knowing that I do this work and, and you know, being drawn in for a converse, an initial conversation and, you know, and just and exploring whether or not there's a fit to work together um, in that way. And or um, very often women come in my door through this kind of desire to empower their relationship to their worth and money, but which usually leads in, which I'm going to say it 99.9% of the time leads into instant discoveries about other areas of life that where they're navigating a deeper descent or, you know, a massive change in some other area because money, our relationship to money is mirrored in everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Answering- no, that's great. Yeah. I think what I, what I was just um, looking for there is like, you know, sometimes when, when you're in it, you don't know that those kinds of resources uh, exist. And so um, I I thank you for creating community around that and just, um, yeah, yeah, like the permission to talk about that depth. That's very real because there is a lot in my opinion, a lot of shade and shadow um, enforced in the entrepreneurial space with women that says, you know, you 
you just have to act like you have it all together. And, um, and then I think that that, and maybe we can begin to wrap up with this thought. Um, but for me, that really continued to enforce almost a shadow side of resiliency. And I've written about this on my blog. I really play with this concept because I, like you, I was an incredibly resilient person. Life had given me enough things that I had to overcome. Um, I knew how to overcome. I knew how to bounce back. I knew how to handle it. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of resources for resiliency. So I lost a child at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, if you, if you learn to deal with that boy, like my, my whole thing was kind of like, well, and this was subconscious, but, but I was essentially like, well, I dealt with that. I can deal with anything. Right. And then similar to you, it was, it was a breakup. It was getting involved in a relationship and it was my father wound projection and, um, you know, wanting safety and security. And it turned out to be very actually dangerous. And so in a quick, abrupt ending. And for me, it was in part that when that happened, I, I said, I'm not overcoming anymore. I'm not. I'm not doing this the same way. And so I, you know, you saw it and you said, okay, there's something here for, for me. I'm going to go get it. And I said, I'm just not doing it the same way anymore. And I actually stayed in bed for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, yeah. like the lowest, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I had a child. And so I was like functioning, but he, but barely functioning. And he was seeing this mm-hmm. and it was like, it was, it was the lowest I've ever been for certain And, um, but, but I was just like, I will not get up and bad asset anymore. Mm -hmm. I will not present that way. And I had been doing that for, I had just been doing that for so long that I was just like, no. So yeah, there's, there's resilience, but then there's also, do you think there's a shadow side of resiliency? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, great question. Um, well, there's always, not sure if I would call it shadow, but definitely like warped or distorted um, mm-hmm. in the sense that, um, you know, like one of the things I was mentioning before when we were chatting, I, I used to do resilience I used to teach resilience to top level, level federal government leaders when, when President Obama was in office. And one of the things I bumped into a lot was, um, you know, I would ask, you know, the, the leaders what their ideas about resilience were, you know, initially. And I got a lot of like, you know, toughen it out, you know, like yes. <laughs> you know, not having, you know, like, you know, kind of like the idea that it was about not going down, you know, not, no right. descent, Right. And, um, you know, just bypassing this huge spectrum of human emotion. And, and, um, and so um, that's one end of the warped spectrum. The other end is the, so that would be the, um, you know, like nothing's going to get me down approach. And then the other end of it would be the victim. The other end of the spectrum would be the person who says, you know, I, you know, 
I don't know why this keeps happening to me, 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 <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and why, what, what's wrong with me? And I'm just going to be kind of miserable and kind of down the rest of my life because life doesn't love me, you know, kind of thing. Right. 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 Yeah. And so there's, t- those are, yeah, those are the two kind of distorted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually I have one more last question, if that's okay. Sure. Oh yes, of course. And I, there was something I wanted to share also, but go ahead. Oh, well, maybe it's what I'm picking up on as, as what we didn't mention, but we're sharing stories of going down and I'm wondering if you can share maybe like one highlight of that diamond essence that really came from going to those depths. Yes, that, that is one of the things I did want to say. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I cut you off from like the end of your story. And I was like, oh, we got to go get that diamond. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's excellent. So it, this is it. They're sort of, it's twofold. And that's exactly what I wanted to share. Um, so, because um, you're right, it's so easy to get sort of... Um, drawn into this story that you forget to share, you know, the diamond, like you said, the essence of the amazing gift. And so for me, that was twofold. And the first thing I would say is that um, for me, I used to, whatever, you know, those kind of unconscious protectors, you know, subtle veils of, you know, um, where I maybe I just didn't feel okay about myself and uh, just layers of self doubt I couldn't seem to heal I couldn't before this happened I used to have trouble like looking deeply at into someone's eyes um, and really being like fully um, receptive and fully open and I, I always longed for intimacy and loved intimacy but I I would I would also feel like I would I would often only be able to tolerate a minimal amount before I would sort of need to look away or shy away And, um, after this, through this and after this happened, and it's, it's just been permanent. It's never, ever returned to the way it was. I came out the other end, like eyes wide open, able Mm. to just look deeply into it and into anyone's eyes for, you know, just forever for as, as long as just in every encounter, I, I suddenly just felt fully, unveiled you know fully un, mm-hmm. kind of unprotected in, in the best sense and just fully mm-hmm. av- available mm-hmm. and uh, really able to just in a very relaxed very natural un, you know un, un um, contrived way just be just be there and I was like there was just no problem for me at all anymore and it's remained that way kind of forevermore and so mm-hmm. that was that and that that is way more than a, you know, that that's a very mm-hmm. profound thing because mm-hmm. of all, all that it makes available for both the synergies that become available and the, the you know, it, it's just a very profound for me. That was one of the most amazing thing that's ever, things that's ever growth, growth experiences that's ever happened to me. And then the other part of that is that, um, and this is what I would say partly in response to your other question about how people find me or, or kind of whatever, and that's where I, what I love to do, what's happened for me is, you know, this whole, the essence of this experience directly and indirectly is now an inextricable part of my coaching work with women. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's who I am. It's what I live and breathe. And so no matter what we're talking about or what the issue is, the heart and soul of this experience of, of 
freeing oneself from what they are not so that they can get to that that diamond, you know, again, at the bottom of the mine. And, you know, so it begins to pulsate and sparkle and shine again is what it's all about. And so I love to help women who do come to me with a either in the thick of a very profound story like ours or, you know, or on the other side of it, think about how they can blend that story into their business in some way. It doesn't have to be direct, um, you know, but somehow not leaving that precious part of themselves out any longer from anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much. We need to wrap up here today, but I feel like we could just, we could go on and on in, uh, in shared stories here. And that would be wonderful. There's like a cup of tea in front of me. There's a thunderstorm outside. I feel like I could just sit here all day. Um, thank you so much for being here and michelleatlas.com for the money quiz, uh, the money archetype quiz. We'll link that in the show notes and, uh, the diamonds, wait, dark darkness to diamond. What's the Facebook group? Diamonds in the Darkness. Diamonds in the Darkness um, on Facebook. I'm going to check that out as well. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing your story. It really is very helpful uh, when women get to hear that um, they're not alone in their descent and there are diamonds to be mined. So the best yeah. kind of diamonds. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. They don't, they don't cost anything. <laughs> right. Right. They're environmentally sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, you're so welcome, Sarah. Thank you for everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, listeners, for being here and cultivating community around really important topics. You can hop on over to Facebook. There's a free sacred remembering Facebook group for listeners of the podcast and modern women waking up to the truth of who we are. Please feel free to pop a comment. Let us know what you got from this episode. And if you need to reach me, I'm always available at sarahpoet.com. Thanks and take care. See you next week. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.